guys, my name is Eden Richardson. I'm the Discipleship Director here at First Baptist Rock Hill. Thank you so much for tuning in from, past, from our pastor's sermon from this past Sunday. We are so excited for what God's gonna teach you through His Word today. We hope that it blesses, encourages, and challenges you as you listen. Also be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you will get to see these weekly sermons. We hope you enjoy it and thank you so much. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It is so good to be with you. I love Sundays. I love worshiping Jesus. I love being with you and seeing your faces and listening to you sing and just hearing stories of what God is doing in your life. I always, always love hearing those, so never hesitate to share with me how the Lord is blessing you. Uh, blesses me to hear that. Today is going to be a little different. We're going to talk about church planting I'm going to teach for a little bit. We're going to review some of our church history and spend at least half of our time you meeting these two brothers, these two pastors, preachers, evangelists that I want you to get uh, to know. Now, when you hear the word church planting, what comes to mind? What does that mean to you? So I want you to turn to the person sitting beside you and say, church planting is, church planting means, and whatever you think it is, go ahead and tell them right now. Come on. <clears throat> all right let's see how you did church planting is well like you plant a garden you put seed in the ground you you plant because you're wanting to produce more so church planting is an existing church an established church starting planting a new church usually in an area where there's a great need. And quite often we do it in partnerships, not just one church trying to do it, but us doing it in partnership with other existing churches and Christian groups, ministries. So that's what church planning is. The very first pastorate, when I, when I was 19, I became pastor of what then we called a mission church. It would be a church plant for six and a half years. That's what I did. And that church is meeting in Kentucky uh, this morning, it's a small church in the mountains, but they're preaching and they're ministering to people in that community all these years later. That was my, that's how I got started, so to speak. And in recent years, our partnership with Steel City Church in Pittsburgh, a new church, a church plant, Shandon Baptist in Columbia was the primary sending church. We were the second church in that partnership and there were others along with our state convention and we're, we're wrapping up that partnership, we're still always going to have a relationship with them, but that partnership is kind of coming to a close, and many of you are familiar with that. Many of you have been up there to, to help them, and that's what we're talking about with church planning. So I want to help you understand what church planning looks like by reviewing our church's history, and for many of you, some of this is going to be brand new. You've never heard this stuff. So I've got four years on the, on the screen. Let's put them up there, guys. Which of those four years do you think was the year when this church was established, was founded? Call it out loud. What year do you choose? Come on, some of you. 1878. Next month, we will be 145 years old as a church. Now, for many places, that's an old church. In South Carolina, we're kind of like middle-aged. <laughs> Okay, but that's when we, we got started. Now, over the years of this church's existence, 
How many worship centers or sanctuaries do you think First Baptist Church has built and worshiped in? Two, three, four, five. What's your answer? Four. Four different sanctuaries, four different worship centers we built over the years. Now, when our church got started in 1878, do you think there were other churches that helped us get started? Yes or no? Ah, yes. uh, you're catching on. Yes. Yes, it was a partnership. The, the, the most important church in starting this church was Harmony Baptist Church out in the country, out in the county, out our way, brother, right? Harmony Baptist Church, more than any other church, helped start this church. Another church that helped was Catawba Baptist, not too far from here. See, Rock Hill was a new city. Until a railroad came through, there was none a city. All these other places sprang up years before Rock Hill. Those two churches, along with what at that time was called the Mission Board of the South Carolina Baptist Convention, those three groups in particular are the reason First Baptist Church came into existence as a church. In the, in the uh, 1860s and early 70s, there was a preaching station. The pastors from those churches and others would come to Rock Hill, this new little town, and they would preach somewhere. And uh, God, started, God started working through that. And so our church started with 20 members, Brother Jonathan, in 1878. And listen to this. For the first 10 years of our church existence, for the first 10 years, Harmony Baptist paid half of the pastor's salary. You think this church could have gotten started without partners? In fact, it was 17 years before this church was able to pay all of the salary of a full-time pastor without outside help. They needed partners for 17 years. Think about that. Now, um, two years after the church was founded in 1880, this 1870, so in 1880, <clears throat> this church built its first sanctuary on a lot on Hampton Street downtown. If you were on Hampton Street down there, you know where the driveway turns into City Hall? That's where the very first sanctuary was. And then several years later, they built a larger worship center on that same piece of property on Hampton Street. That's in the 1800s. And then in 1920, 1920, they had the first worship service in the new sanctuary downtown on Oakland Avenue and Main Street, where we were for decades, where we were when I became your pastor. And that's where the church worshiped from 1920. And that, that's the third sanctuary until we bought this property in 1996 and then built this and had our first worship service. Next, this coming April, okay, this coming April will be 20 years we've been worshiping in this building. So this is the fourth worship center for First Baptist Church in our history. And so just like Harmony and Catawba and the state convention helped start this church, over the years this church has partnered with others to plant churches, whether it's through uh, buying land or, or uh, giving money or, or sending out members or building buildings or any combination of those factors, this church played a key role in starting West End Baptist Church in our city, Park Baptist Church, Northside Baptist Church, 
Oakland Baptist Church, in the, in the 50s, Sylvia Circle Baptist Church that in more recent decades declined and, and, and closed, and they gave the property to Park Baptist Church, who led in planting a new church there called Pioneer Church, multi-ethnic, multi-racial church. We've helped. Park was the, is the lead church, but we've helped. We gave $10,000 to repair a roof on the building. And uh, one family was sent from here to help with that church plant, and they're doing, they're doing well today. And so that's some of our history. That's the same thing we did in Steel City, with Steel City Church in Pittsburgh. It's what we did with the two churches in Birmingham, England, church planting movement in Zambia and other places. You know, we've helped plant churches in New York and Texas. That's why. And so when, so when someone asks, why do we do this? One reason is, it's our church's history. It's how we got started. And, and it's, it's what the church has done from the very beginning. But there's, there's a more important reason, and it's, and it's, it's Scripture. And, and why, so I want you to open your, your Bible to the book of Acts. And, and while you're doing that, I want to also say something. We, we've got college students in here, and many of you, some of you, you know, work with our campus ministry, your BCM, Baptist Campus Ministry at Winthrop and so on. And the, you know, worship services on Thursday night and feeding the students and the international students and all, all of that. How many of you know where the Baptist Campus Ministry facility, their building is on Oakland Avenue? You know where it is? In the 1960s, this church, in partnership with Oakland Baptist and our state convention, bought that property, built that building where the college students meet even today that's what partnership does not just one church doing it all by themselves but in partnership with others growing the kingdom so we're going to talk about that a little bit and then i'm going to spend 20 25 30 minutes letting you meet these guys we will get you out of here before the cheeseburgers are burnt i promise you all right acts chapter one let me see see the bible you got it hold it up yeah i love that i love that those of you who've got electronic Bibles, I want you to find an app. So when you open it up, it sounds like pages turning. So I, because I'm, I, I miss hearing. Okay, anyway, anyway. Acts chapter one, Jesus is going back to the Father and tells his followers and us, gives last instructions. And he says in verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen, you, you don't plant churches that take root and grow you you don't share the gospel and see people saved. you don't see marriages healed you, you don't see these great things of god done apart from the power of god we we can do a lot of good god does a lot of great and it's in the power of the spirit and 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 this movement listen it's, it's a god thing it's not a man thing and we need his power then he says when you have my power what you're going to do you shall be my witnesses you're going to be a witness to the cross and the resurrection you'll be a witness to the blood and the atonement and forgiveness You'll be a witness to salvation and, and to life in Jesus and how he's changed you and how he continues to work in your life. And you, you're, you're going to be a witness. You're, you're going to talk about it. You're going, to, you're going to tell others. And he said, you shall do that. It's not a suggestion. Now, hey, hey, think about doing this. If you're following Christ in the fullness of the Spirit, you will, you shall 
be my witnesses in Jerusalem where you are, Judea, you know, out in York County and the Charlotte metro area, Samaria, North America, and to the ends of the earth, France and Zambia, England and Indonesia and other places, anywhere, everywhere. He said, that's what you, you, you ought to be my, you ought to be my witnesses. Every, Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, in his gospel, Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission. Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples. Those banners over there come straight from God's word. When we talked about why we exist, I didn't want to come up with something catchy. I wanted, I wanted God's word. Love God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go make disciples. That's why we exist. Now we've got to flesh that out, but that's it. He said, go, make disciples. With every nation, really it's every ethnic group, every people group men draw boundaries and if you know history you know borders change but all these this diverse population on this planet created in in god's image for whom jesus died and we are to go to them and make disciples where the need is that's where we're to be and then baptize them and teach them everything Jesus has taught us. And not just what he said, but how to live it out. Teach them to observe, to, to do, to, to execute, to practice. We got we to teach them how to, how to be and how to live as a disciple. And you're never alone. Brother Philip, you're going to meet in a few minutes sharing Jesus in Egypt and Jordan and, and Turkey and never alone no matter how hard it was never alone because jesus said i'll be with you until the end of the age there's never a moment there's never a place when you're alone if you're doing what jesus called you to do now two takeaways real quick you ready number one we are to have a pioneering spirit the early church did we are to have a pioneering spirit. When they spread from Jerusalem, remember, and you, you've been reading Acts this month in your Bible reading plan and D groups and so on, and it's an amazing story. The church in Jerusalem grew to be the first mega church, several thousand people in it. Then they spread. And in chapter 13, there was another great church that grew out of that movement in Antioch, which then was in Syria. Today would be in the south east tip of turkey up above lebanon metropolitan area one of the most important cities in the ancient world large church two men that you know about in your bible barnabas and saul who would become paul were among the pastors of that church and in acts chapter 13 verse 1 there was there were at the, at, in antioch this church and it lists the pastors including barnabas and saul or paul and in verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit. See, remember it says it's not just the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit. God, God takes us where he knows he wants us to go. God takes us, listen, God takes us where he's already at work. He takes us where he's going to do something. He doesn't take us someplace just, you know, for the sake of it. He's always got a purpose. 
while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart, set apart for me, for Jesus, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3, and then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And with the support of that church in Antioch, and then in time others, Paul and Barnabas planted churches, you know, on Crete, Cyprus, Turkey, Greece, Macedonia. Paul even got to talk about Jesus in Rome. Other places. Pioneering spirit. Growing up in Kentucky, I was a big fan of Daniel Boone. I mean, I can remember as a little kid playing where my, I had a coonskin cap. I did. Had that tail on it and everything. I loved dressing up and playing like Daniel Boone. Took my mom and, actually one time we were on vacation on this and we took our kids and we visited where he was born. And we're, you know, or not where he was born, but the area out there where he, where, where he lived, Boonesboro, she went to school near there and all that stuff. I just love the story that I used to love watching that TV show, that pioneering spirit. Going new places. That's how the early church was. And, and they didn't go just as tourists say, wow, I've never seen this before. This is really pretty. They went with a mission. But they had a pioneering spirit. And we as a people of God are not simply to settle down and say, man, I like it here. I'm just going to stay here. We're always to have that pioneering spirit of going, of sending sending because there, there are people in those other places who need the gospel and by the way I'm grateful for the pioneering spirit of Harmony Baptist and Catawba in our state convention back in the 1800s to send people to Rock Hill a new city and that's why we're here we don't ever want to lose that pioneering spirit if we're going to be obedient to the gospel a second thing is a passion for evangelism. Not, not, as I said, just being sightseers, but going someplace with a purpose, with a mission, with a passion, and it's to share the gospel evangelism. Back in chapter 8 of Acts, and then I'm going to let you meet these guys, um, that church in Jerusalem grew very quickly and grew very large, and then persecution started very severe and they spread notice in chapter 8 of Acts in verse 1 uh, the first part of it is when Saul and others killed Stephen he was the first Christian martyr and then in the middle of verse 1 on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem and they were they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria they started moving outward if you will and then in verse 4 therefore those who had been scattered went about taking pictures. Went about sending postcards back home about what they're seeing. They, 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 they scattered and kept quiet. They scattered and did what? Yeah, they preached the word, the gospel. They shared Jesus and as a result... More people were saved and more churches were started. And, 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 and then you have an example of that in verse 5, Philip going to Samaria. And then down in verses 25 and following, Philip goes down toward Gaza. Yeah, on the road down toward Egypt. 
And God had brought a man from Ethiopia down in Africa up to Jerusalem. And on his way back home to Africa, guess what? God knows how to do this. He caused their two paths to intersect. That Ethiopian became a believer. Philip baptized him. And to this very day, there are Christians and churches in Ethiopia. See, God, God always knows what he's doing when he says go. When he says make disciples. Now, if we're going to be a New Testament church, we're going to be busy about that. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to do evangelism. We're going to make disciples. We're going to help plant new churches, especially where the need is great. And we're, we're wrapping up some of our partnerships. And so today is helping you understand where we're going. For the next several years, three to five years, we'll just see how it goes. But for the next few years, we're going to focus on three areas. Does not mean we won't do anything anywhere else. But these three areas will be where we focus. That's where most of our resources will go. One is Los Angeles. Number two, the coastal area of South Carolina. And number three, internationals, including Arab-speaking peoples in the Carolinas. So we're going to talk about that for a moment. Los Angeles. Now, I know all of you in this room have your own attitudes about California. I get it. We've all said jokes. I... But you do know that Jesus died for all those folk, right? God loves them. They are created in his image just like me and you. I've, I've been to California. I've met believers in California. I've met believers in Los Angeles. And they love Jesus and I love Jesus. And when we meet, guess what? We love each other. And there are people out there who will come to faith in Christ. And we have a, we have a, a man named Will Browning. Will, some years ago, planted a church in Charleston. Recently, God called him to leave Charleston, move to Los Angeles. Southern Baptist Los Angeles is one of what we call sin cities, key cities in America where we are focused on planting churches, the largest metropolitan areas in the country. That's where the people are. And God led Will out there, and he is our leader, our director for sin city in Los Angeles. He's developed this program, this residency, where God is raising up people with, with connections to that part of the world, which makes it easier for them to plant churches. And he, it's just a phenomenal job he's doing, training church planters, and we're helping with it. We're not going to send a lot of teams out there. We may send a team or two, but not a lot. Mainly, we're going to support that residency, that training program. Uh, we've already sent them our first check for $10,000. We'll be sending more. This year, won't you hear this? This is so cool, so exciting. 2023, this year, 34 new churches in Los Angeles. Yeah. He has 32 pastors in assessment getting ready for the training to plant churches next year. I mean, who says God can't do what God wants to do? Huh? The only people who say it's impossible is us. 
That's Los Angeles. I look forward to what God's going to do. It'll be really cool in about five years we can talk about 500 churches in Los Angeles preaching Jesus. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Number two, the coastal area of South Carolina. Jonathan, come on up, brother. Would you welcome Jonathan Linker? Um, Tom Gore, who leads our state work in planting churches or developing, identifying church planters and helping that work in the coastal area, uh, a year or so ago told me, Steve, you need to connect with Jonathan down in Charleston at Harbor City. And so we connected, and I think it was in January, I was in Sumter for a meeting, and you and I got together for about three hours over dinner at, I forget what restaurant, but man, we just had a great time. We just connected that night, and uh, we've been getting to know each other. I know Jamie's had some time with you, our missions pastor, and, and, and so on. And so he's planting a new church, launched 18 months ago, and we're going to partner officially with them. Um, because the coastal area, you know, the coastal area, York County and Greenville, that's where, where the massive growth is happening in South Carolina. Coastal area, the most unchurched place in South Carolina. Greatest need for churches. So Jonathan's playing there. And I, I wanted Jonathan to take a moment and just kind of introduce yourself to, to our folk here, okay? Yeah, thank you. Hey, First Baptist, thank you guys so much for having me. I do, before I just share a little bit more about us, um, I got to just uh, tell you how lucky you are to have your pastor. Um, I grew up in North Carolina. Yeah, we can put our hands together for that. Um, grew up in North Carolina. When I came into South Carolina and I just began to meet people and I was like, hey, who should I know? Over and over again, it's like, you need to meet this guy named Steve Hawk. And this man has more vision and energy than probably 99 out of 100 pastors I know. So it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I can't, I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about y'all's future with this man's leadership. So seriously, very grateful for you. Hey, I grew up in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Anybody here from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina? Sometimes we're scattered out, okay? Anybody? Anybody here from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina? I got one hand over here. Nope, okay, you're you're definitely not from Rocky Mountain. Okay, that's what I got. (laughs) But but close, maybe, okay. Well, um, I grew up in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and um, man, I I grew up in a church that was dying. Hmm. Um, I came to Christ in that church, but I got this sense. I see a lot of kids in the room, parents. I got this sense growing up as a kid in this church that, man, the kingdom of God all over the world was on retreat. Um, And so, um, you know, uh, I, I, uh, the Lord brought me uh, sovereignly to uh, a church, um, you know, a little bit of my bio. I, I went to Liberty University, worked at a church in Atlanta, and then went to Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. And God brought me to a church called the Summit Church in Raleigh, where I just saw um, a, a truly a revival, like a movement of God. I saw, for the first time, the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Acts 1, the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I saw the power of the gospel on display. We saw, like, look at these aisles right here. When I first came to this church, when the gospel was preached and there was an opportunity to respond, there were lines of people down these aisles coming to receive Jesus. I'd never seen anything like it, ever. Um, we, we had baptism service where we would have hundreds, hundreds of people being baptized in a single service. And I was like, is this, is this the power of the gospel? Is this what it does? Is this like when the gospel is preached, does it awaken new life in people? We were seeing stories of people who um, were marriages were being reconciled that are on the brink of divorce. And I began to understand, hey, that's, you know, that, 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 this, this in one sense kind of feels special, but this is just what God does, isn't it? Mm. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does is it makes old things new, it makes dead things alive, and it changes, it brings renewal. 
And so as um, uh, God brought me to that church, I was experiencing that. He was doing about a thousand things in my life. Um, one of the best things is that uh, woman right there, April Linker, that's my wife. We've been married um, almost 13 years, and this is our family. Uh, my oldest son right there is Keller. Um, also, my other son, MJ, they're both over here. You guys wave at uh, Keller and MJ. You guys wave, all right, awesome. Yeah, and you guys can put your hands together for Keller and MJ. Thanks for coming with Dad. Uh, my daughter, um, Emma and Avery, all right? So God um, began to build our family at the Summit Church, but at the same time, he was building me a passion for church planning. Um, uh, the way that we say it is, man, I wanted to put my yes on the table and let God put it on the map. And then so God, through a series of events, led us to plant in Charleston, South Carolina, where the, go ahead. And, well, and, and I know you went through some training there at Summit. They have a, uh, a and church planning guys residency. Help the church planning residency. And by the way, Chris and them at Steel City have, have, have been through some of that as well. That's right. And uh, Summit Church for J.D. Greer pastors, I just want to go on record with this. It, there's not a church in America doing a better job of planting new churches than what Summit is doing and what J.D. is doing. I love him and I appreciate that ministry very much. Yeah. Um, I, I benefited so much from that ministry. And so um, there was a, a vision our church had uh, to plant churches all over the world. And I was like, man, what? The kingdom of God can go forward and not backward? That the, that the gospel can go to a hard place, a hard place, and we can see people come to Christ and churches be planted? Yeah. And so when I heard about the need in Charleston, you know, you guys may not know this, Charleston's called the Holy City, but uh, pre-pandemic, 11% of people in Charleston attended church like ever, an evangelical church. Um, three years later, the, the number is 8%. Now, let's, let's not rush over that. So somebody may ask, because, you know, you go to Charleston, you see all the churches, you tour some of them. Why plant a church in Charleston? 8% of the people there in a year ever go to church anyway, go to, go to an evangelical church. 8%. Yeah. That's a lot of lostness in the, one of the fastest growing areas in our state. That's right. Yeah, the, the joke was, um, I heard this from a pastor. He said, man, there's traffic is awful everywhere in Charleston except around a church on a Sunday. And so as I saw that and I was burdened. And then I saw this gospel decline and I saw a city with population yes. incline. And all I said was, man, that, that's gonna be a place that God's gonna move mightily. You know, this is gonna, I almost feel like the, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating events for an amazing gospel renewal movement. And that's why um, God gave us the vision to see um, not just one church planted, but us as a church planting church be planted where we're, enable, uh, we're able to see the gospel multiply through individuals and through churches. All right, so let's, let's talk just real briefly about what's happened, and then we'll talk about that church planting movement that you're, that you're starting, okay? Yep. So what's happened so far, we, um, we moved to the city with a group of about 35. That includes kids, because when you're a church plant, you know, you count everybody, okay? Pitch. That's right. If, if there's a woman who's expecting, we're counting you twice, okay? <laughs> um, and so we moved with 35 different people. We ended up growing over a group of 60. We're just, what are we doing? We're sharing the gospel, meeting people, we're trying to, wherever we live, learn, work, or play, um, be this type of ambassador that, yeah. you know, Axe is talking about. And partnerships is, uh, like, Steel City is meeting in, in, a, in a church on Squirrel Hill that's declining, got maybe five, 10 people in it now. And our, so you be, keep praying for Steel City that they will give that building to Steel City. You've had a similar experience. That's right. Share that. That's right. We were able to partner with a local church called uh, Sycamore Baptist, and we ended up merging together in March. Um, since that time, we've grown like crazy. Um, we, that group of 35 has become a group of about 200. Um, don't think 200 mature Christ followers like as a church like First Baptist, Rock Hill, baby, some baby Christians, some not right. yet Christians. Right. Um, but we're seeing God really begin this movement. And so I, I got some numbers I want to celebrate uh, with Go you ahead. guys. All right. Um, 
One is um, we have nine different community groups with about 90 people. So that's 60 different adults who are every single week gathering together to study the Bible. And you started 18 months ago. Who were not studying last year. Yeah. And that's amazing. Um, we've seen 19 people, First Baptist, 19 people profess Jesus as, as Savior and Lord. Amen. And nine Amen. of those have been baptized. We have 10 more um, who are planning to be baptized. And so that you want to ask why we plant churches in, in maybe two years. If we keep up that same number, we'll see more people profess Christ than we're on our whole team when we launched. Lord. Amen. Praise God for that. And I know part of your vision is, is multiplication. So explain that because part we're going to sign an agreement to to partner with them, and you think well they're well two hundred, one they can't do it on their own now two hundred no, and secondly is that multiplication we want to be part of that to support that and finance that as well, but also he's going to be teaching us how to do that better. That's right, we've been able to. Um, I, I got something else I'd love for you guys to celebrate with us. Um, through partnership, we were able to connect with the church planner, and through Harbor City, we were able to send that church plant out three weeks ago. So we celebrated our one-year anniversary, and like three weeks later, we sent out our first church plant. Can you guys put your Amen. hands together and celebrate that? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say an apprentice here yeah, now. One of the things that we are doing is raising up next generation ministry leaders. And then one of those guys, Sammy, I'm putting you on the spot. Will you just stand up and wave to everybody? Uh, this is Sammy Penninger. Um, he's here. He's one of those that we're investing in, and we're asking God to raise him up to send mm -hmm. out as a future pastor, church ministry leader for the harvest. And uh, so, as I mentioned in the partnership, yes, we're going to be helping, but they're going to be helping us teach us how to do that more effectively. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. Um, if you could say anything else to the family here, what would you say? Um, First Baptist, I would, man, I would, I, Pastor Steve has said this earlier uh, this morning, but man, we just covet your prayers, truly. Uh, church planning is a hard work. Um, I celebrate a lot of wins. There's about, you know, a dozen really hard things that my family, that families in our church have endured this past year, and we need your prayers. And so if you think about us, please pray for us. If you can't think of anything else to pray, pray that God would so work in the holy city that it's holy in truth and not just in name. Amen. All right, Brother Jamie. We're going to sign this partnership agreement, and again, our word is our, you should be enough. But we, this, this just formalizes, and we won't, we do, I do this because I, I just want you to know that this is more than just words. This is a commitment we make, and we will invest in a lot of different ways, including significant financial investment as well. So this is our commitment to each other for the next uh, few years and what we're going to do to help each other. And Brother Jonathan, as an expression of that partnership, here's our first contribution to the ministry, a check for $10,000. Thank you, sir. God bless you, brother. All right, now I want you to meet Brother Philip from Amman, Jordan. All right, Philip, um, Philip Sahane. Yes. All right, can you say that, Philip? Sahane. Sahane. One Perfect. more time. Philip. Sahane. Sahane. Now you can move to Jordan. <laughs> um, now, Jonathan and I have known each other for almost a year. Philip, I've heard about for several years, but not, had not met him until a couple of weeks ago. And uh, our York Baptist Association and some of our churches have been traveling to Turkey to work with Philip and some of the church plants there. And uh, 
so it's been a long journey, and before we talk about what he's doing here, I want to give you a sense of that journey. I know, Philip, you grew up in a, was it Greek Orthodox yes. church? Yes. Okay, and uh, I've always, when it comes to, let's see. Right hand. Uh, our, right all right, right hand. hand. Catholic, do, Catholics and Orthodox, there's a slight difference. Yes, because somebody starts in the east, other than the west. <laughs> <laughs> so Catholic is the Western Church, okay. Orthodox is the Eastern Church for you church history nerds like me. Okay, I've always wondered. That's a okay, okay. Yes. Uh, for what that's worth, but anyway, uh, but but you grew up religious, but not being a follower of Jesus. No, because we don't know what does that mean. You know, like others, like you grow up in a family, good family, nice family, but you don't know what does mean salvation, Jesus, why Jesus came. Uh, many reasons makes us know nothing about that. We are minority of the minority there. Mm -hmm. A Christian, a nominal Christian, all the percentage of, in Jordan are less than 1.2. So less than 1.2% claim to be Christian, identify as Christian yes. in Jordan. But the follower of Christ is less than one point of the 1.2. Can so, you imagine the, the, the situation there? Okay. And uh, you as a young man became very antagonistic toward the gospel and toward church. Yeah. Um, but, but also interested in some way. Tell them, because you mentioned you being afraid. Yeah, um, like I said, we are raised in a community like we are the minority. So um, during the schools, like they, we have Islamic class, religion class. So as a Christian, we don't have this. They don't give us in, in, in uh, schools. So I have to attend that, these classes. So I start to learn more because there, in our schools, there is no gym or outside anywhere, under the sun heat or the rain. So we, we choose to attend these classes. They start to representing presenting the Islam in very amazing way, beautiful way. It attracted me. But Is, that's Islam. Yes, but that confused me. Where's, where's the right way? Where, where God exactly? He created me to be with Him, but which way? So I start to pray for many years, especially before I go to bed. All the Christian prayers I know, with all these practice and I practice, and Islamic prayers. If God is a Muslim God, I'm in safe side. If God is with the Christian, I'm in a safe side. <laughs> Until uh, I, like uh, age of 21, um, I've been invited to, uh, to attend a youth service. And I, I, uh, I said yes. And the, my goal wasn't like to worship or to know Jesus. My goal was to make problems against the students and bring them out of the church. I was thinking these Christians are foolish. And I'm the smart later I found out found out the opposite. We are the smart and we are the foolish. Um, and that day I went to make problems. I was very aggressive, really, uh, against anti-Christ, anti if you can say that. When they shared the gospel with me, I gave my life to Christ, to Jesus. Amen. It was Monday, 1990, and in uh, uh, Tuesday, 1990, next day, I started to serve the Lord until now. Until now, he's is amazing God. He's amazing God. Yeah. So you, you were sharing the gospel. 
uh, people were accepting Christ. And, and then over the, the last 30 years, you saw God do some amazing things. And there are Christian churches. These are small churches, most, a lot of house churches. Or, yes. uh, and that, that's a lot of God's movement in, in the Middle East, in China, and other places where Christians are persecuted. You have a, a strong house church movement. But you saw churches started. Share with everybody the, the, the countries that you saw churches started among Arabs. Arab-speaking people and Arabs and, and Muslims. Almost. We, of course, in Jordan, we have a couple of these. And uh, in Turkey, we have uh, uh, two. And yesterday, I get a phone call from one of our groups starting the third one. In Turkey? In Turkey. Um, also, in Iraq, Mosul, in, the, in one of the villages that was under the uh, control of ISIS, they, it was a head office for them. After they left in one month, we've been there. They were just a couple miles away from us. We went there, established the church, the only kingdom, kingdom church in that area. So the, a church in the building that ISIS uses their, yes. their headquarters uh, in that part of Iraq. <laughs> yeah. the, God can do stuff. He's the, he's the lion of Judah. Yeah. And he's the lion. And as I said, he created us as lions so we don't afraid. I want to afraid from death. Stay home, have popcorn, you will die. <laughs> Whatever you try to avoid this moment, this moment is coming. Yeah. So use it. Life is too short. So no time to waste it. And also a church in Egypt? Yes, many in Egypt. Many, many churches in Egypt. So, so uh, Jordan, Turkey, Egypt. And over the years, God's been putting on your heart a vision for what could happen in America and through the partnership. Now, he's here, and part of our help as partners in, in, in him sharing the gospel with internationals and Arab-speaking peoples and Muslims and others in this area is there, we own two houses over here on Springsteen across near, near Target and so on. We own two houses over there as a church, and at no cost, uh, part of our contribution is he and his family will live free in one of those houses while he's uh, serving Jesus here. I mean, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. That's like uh, a very generous gift like for us. Uh, uh, we are here like we still... I used to come to the state too, much, too many times, but like to live, it's something new for me. Um, um, I noticed like, like many other people that how many church has been sold mm -hmm. to be mosques and uh, uh, I apologize my I'm very odd direct person in the book of Acts chapter 1 8 verse 8 said go mm -hmm. but when they kept in Jerusalem what God brought to them Acts chapter 8 mm -hmm. 1 mm -hmm. do Acts 1 8 or Acts 8 1 it's coming Whoa. persecution Either do it or God will shake you up and make you do it. Wow. Life, on, as you remember, I said this before, life on, 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 on earth is a time for employment. There's a time will be for enjoyment in heaven. Let's do invest it. So I'm being called not for entertainment. I'm, I'm being called to work, to plant churches. Like when they, in the procedure giving me the visa to Georgia to come here, they asked me, what was your plan here, the government? I said, to plant churches. I said, okay. They said, after you plant. I said, plant churches. Said, after <laughs> you finish. I said, plant other churches. <laughs> this country 
the everybody should know Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's been like a country like having everybody. But if we don't plant churches, other they will plant other places against the church. Anti-Christ people, they are ready to move. Already they are moving. Mm -hmm. And by the way, these people, victims, they live in darkness. We are, as Jesus said about us, we are the light. Sometimes with pastor we said, I'm the light. He, Jesus wasn't talking about position. He was talking about mission. Mm -hmm. Do you rule as a salt and a light among these darkness people? They live in darkness. So my prayer that I find people from every church, established team, volunteers from every church, they, we go together, do outreach, pray together. I cannot do anything by myself. Partnership as a Christian is not an option. We have to do it because we are one in Christ. It is one body, not two bodies. Mm -hmm. One body. So let's do something. Let's pray, move together to approach all the people around us. They are moving, building mosque. The moment they knew that I am here, they start to call me to go to the mosque. Mm. They are very active. What we are waiting for? Because you are an Arab. Yes, they're expecting. I'm not a Christian. So I've been invited, and I will go. And there will be opportunities for you to, to be part of this ministry going forward. So I know you look forward to hearing about exactly. that, how you can be in, engaged, engaged in it. He said something the last service uh, that you alluded to here that I, I, it was tweetable. Well, it's X. That doesn't sound right, X versus Anyway, um, God didn't make us, well, he made us eagles, not chickens. Yes. Lions, not cats. Yeah, lions, kittens. not cats. Eagles, not chickens. Yes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good. Maybe, maybe that's an image we can all keep in our mind when it comes to witnessing for Jesus is that we are, we are lions, not kittens. Amen. And we are Amen. eagles, not chickens. And change how we think. Change how we think so we can do what God's calling us to do. It remove all the fears from your heart. Yes, amen, amen. Would you say thank you to Brother Philip? I'm going to ask Philip and Jonathan to come to the center here at the front. And any of you men who are active or inactive deacons, you ever served as a deacon or you are serving, I want you to come on down. Any of our pastors in the room, come on down. We want to, to surround them and, and cover them in prayer right now so come on quickly guys quickly come on down um deacons active inactive deacons pastors and just get around all 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 four sides of them i'm gonna ask a couple of you to uh lead us in praying uh, for them and um um jamie's got the microphone here and on the back is Brother Chuck Green. I'm going to ask Chuck if you would start our prayer and then um, see who else we have down here. Give me one volunteer. Who else would, would pray after Chuck? All right, John, John Cook. All right, go ahead, Chuck. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for these two men and their commitment to you. And we just pray your blessing on them your Holy Spirit will be so strong in them to 
still reach many, many souls. Father, we just also pray that their example will be used by us to follow and do what they do and be like them and be great witnesses for you. Father, we just ask your blessing on the ministries that they have. We ask your blessing on our ministry so that we can continue to support them. And Father, we just thank you for all that's going on. And we just thank you for your presence. We love you. And we just ask your guidance continues to provide resources for us to reach people for Jesus like these two men are doing. Father, we just lift these men up to you right now and ask that you continue to bless their ministries and this church's ministry as we support other churches in these areas, but future areas as well. Pray also for the church plants that we've already started in Pittsburgh and other places around the world that they would continue to thrive and continue to start their own churches. Uh, pray for obstacles to be removed that would come up uh, that could potentially prevent the spread of the gospel. Uh, pray that people would have the ability to understand the gospel when it's presented to them in new ways or ways that they've never heard or contemplated before and help us as a church to con continue to commit to praying for them um, so that we can continue to empower them financially and also through prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, and church family, would you reach your hands out toward them and just whisper your own prayer to the Lord for them right now? <laughs> 